Welcome to the Ellie Holbrook podcast, Enlightened Conversations about all things mindful, meditative, and good. Today we have my friend Cassie Schmizik calling in from Minnesota today to join us to talk about two things that are intimately interwoven for her, um, astrology and PMDD. Cassie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, it's been such a pleasure. And it's a, it's exciting to finally have you on the show. I know it's been something that we've been um, talking about for a while. And then after one of your more recent posts on Instagram, it just felt like the time to dive into like, like the juicy parts of some of these topics yeah. that you have been really impassioned about for much of your life. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. So kind of starting with... Um, astrology you know as i as i've known you for the last year or so you have been um diving into that with a little bit more of a um student approach right taking some classes and now um transforming that into a little bit of teaching and doing readings for people but um something that i was excited to talk about with you today on the show is you take a unique approach to astrology one that i've never really experienced and i think it's one that's really exciting um, and refreshing and makes so much sense because it goes a little bit deeper than what a lot of us are used to so i would like to hand things over to you and you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into astrology as well as um, the astrology itself. Yeah, I think, I mean, like many of us, the interest in astrology has always been, so I feel like it's always been there. It's always been on the back burner, but um, I've always been just like a, this is in my chart too, like a constant seeker of knowledge. Like I can't get enough. I keep exploring and I want to know more and more. And the great thing about astrology is it goes really deep and there's, it's never ending and you can keep mm-hmm. going. So it's been a really good fit for me there. But one of the things that I love most about it is I find it very, very validating when you start to, you know, look deeper beyond your sun sign or your moon sign, or your rising sign, and you start to see the way different planets interact in your chart and the effect it has or has had on your life. Um, it's fascinating. And I mean, there really is no other way to say it. Validating is just a really great word for it when you yeah. start looking a little deeper. I love what you said about that. Cause I, um, I've taken a couple of astrology classes, usually like self-guided in my life. And my first like deeper dive into astrology was when I was in my 200 hour yoga teacher training back at the yoga loft in Wilmer. And, um, one of my classmates there was an astrologer. And so he would just more casually share things, but then he'd also um, give us readings if we wanted. And and I remember thinking like, feeling so mind blown by everything that just like made perfect sense. And what Mm -hmm. I think can be really appealing about astrology, like you saw it as the validation is that for people that are why learners, like they want to know why, when you, when you dive deeper into astrology and you understand the planets and the placements and the relationships and the houses, um, how there's like a why behind Mm -hmm. everything, you know? So when you're that, Mm -hmm. like, when you have that learner's mind and you're diving deeper and you're thinking like, you know, why am I the way that I am? Or why is my emotions all over the place this month? Or why, you know, that there's that why it seems like, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and it's really fascinating, I think, to think about like how there's such, I think astrology, when we really learn about it, it appeals both to the logic as well as like the mysticism of like, mm-hmm. like the intentionality you know? is yeah. fascinating. Like, right. Oh, I'm here. My Saturn's in Libra. So I'm here to learn through relationships. So that explains a whole bunch of really challenging stuff in my life. You know, right. there's just no, it just, it, when you see the big picture, it's like, there's so much intentional well, intentionality happening and like yeah. something so much bigger than us is yeah. <laughs> as, as mm-hmm. a influence and, you know, really looking at it through the lens of like, I came here to learn these things and to master these things and to, I mean, we don't learn without challenges. So it really just kind of zeroes in on the, the parts that are challenging and we grow from that. So, right. Yeah. Cool. So tell us how you got into astrology. Um, I, well, to be honest, I had a reading done with 
Colin Vidal in, I think it was October after just like a lot of transition in our lives, which you know about last summer. And I was just in this place, like, what the hell am I doing here? This is not what the plan was. This was not. And so I um, paid for a reading with him and it was like, mind-blowing I mean obviously I had a basic knowledge of astrology but the way that he um made astrology relational and made it um like I jokingly have been like astrology really like helped my relationship with my husband it really helped you know like just this level of like when you understand somebody else and you understand yourself and you understand um, I mean, he gives this like really funny analogy. Like if you, um, he like equated it to baking a cake and like, he has no fucking clue what you need, but if you give him the recipe, he'll be happy to do it. You know, like those types of little, <laughs> little yeah. things. It's just like, when you understand someone at this like deep core level in astrology and you understand yourself, then there's a lot more opportunity for growth and learning and not just assuming everybody's out to get you. you right. Know? Yeah. That's a game changer <laughs> in and of itself. But I think yeah. like, you know, with, with astrology and like many things in um, like psychotherapy, you know, like the theories that I work with um, it, it's interesting to look at like, you know, different theories and different, even like personality tests that lead to personality types and different things like that, that like, I guess in a sense, they're like a lens in which we can view things. And when we understand, let's say astrology to the depths of like, you know, these houses represent this and you know, that, that when things are happening in your life, you can see like, you know, the representation of those things and it can make a lot of sense. So knowing like someone's chart too, like what you're saying, like you're, if you know your chart and you know, Adam's chart, then you can understand like, ah, this is what's happening instead of feeling like, like you said, everything's so personal. So it kind of like, it helps us get out of our own experience a little bit so we can relate to it differently. And really see that, you know, the people in our lives are also on their own journey of learning things and learning, you know, their own way. And they have their own soul purpose and their own. um, And at the same time, (laughs) like, you know, human level, it's like, you're actually the polar opposite of me. It says so right here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so tired. Right. (laughs) It's also very clear. (laughs) Right. You can see it visually on a chart, which is super helpful. Right. That complementary polarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. Cool. And so, you know, with, with your approach to astrology, which, you know, I kind of referenced, I'd love to talk for you guys to tell us a little bit more, but I mean, even before we dive into that, like, I think that, um, something that, you know, as I've known you over the last few years that, one of for listeners that one of the like I think cool um overlaps you know of your life that has is leading you into this new juncture with the astrology readings and stuff like that is you have a really strong background in early childhood development mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you know so you were a teacher right for many years and that was a, a specialty of yours and something that you um I I would say that we could call you an expert and so now having mm-hmm. that understanding from that more academic level um and the child development too of looking at like from a, I don't know if we'd say scientific, but a little, you know, like a scientific perspective. And then now we have the astrology, which is a different science, but a different, like there's a mysticism to it. And your astrology really emphasizes like childhood and family systems, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us about that. That was kind of a little like accidental Mm -hmm. discovery kind of out of nowhere as I was studying astrology and realizing that you can look at children's charts and yeah, I've been, I was an early child special ed teacher for 15 years and taught courses on emotional and social development. That was kind of my area of expertise in terms of, and I would be the one that they would call in when behaviors were out of control or, um, so I have this background of, or just even tools of strategies for supporting social and emotional development on a really large spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, And I realized that when you, and when I do children's charts, it's not the same as an adult. For an adult, we're talking about, you know, the challenging aspects of Saturn and Pluto and all these things. But for kids, we really just stay 
um, in the personal planets. And um, there's this really kind of beautiful aspect of like you're born, your moon, it represents your emotions and your inner world and your feelings. And so when we look at our children, when they're born and, you know, truly kind of up until seven-ish, they're really just their moon. And their moon is represented by their mom. And um, the the part that was like, oh my gosh, I got emotional as I was learning it is like, we see our moms as children through the lens of our moon sign. Mm -hmm. So whatever your moon sign is, that's kind of the lens through which you see your mom. So you can kind of Mm -hmm. break that down. But um, when you flip it and look at it from the perspective of a mom and be like, oh my gosh, here are the things that, um, and it worked, you know, like my daughter, her son is a, is a Libra and my moon is a Libra. Like when you start to see the connections in families, because it always repeats, like we come here in clumps, I think. Yeah. Like we come, we come yeah. really things. But um, the other piece of that with your moon is like, I could compare my two daughters. One, her moon is in fire. And my other daughter, her moon is in air. And as they're a little bit older now, they're six. And I can look, I can look back on when they were little, like babies and toddlers and be like, oh my gosh, I so see this moon, you know, the sweetness of it and the loviness of it. <laughs> and now that they're six and eight, it's like, wow, I see the rage of your emotion. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Like my daughter, my oldest daughter, her moon is in Leo and she is like a door slammer. Like that's a fire sign. There's aggression. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. I yell, I scream, I slam doors because she has to like, Express. Her feelings need to be moved, right? Yeah. They need action. Yeah. And then my youngest, her moon is in Aquarius, and she, like, she's got to talk. And she's only six, but she'd be like, I don't want to say this, but I'm just, I really don't like you right now. Like, she just, like, she has to mm-hmm. get her, you know, and I'm talking specifically about anger right now, but like all feelings. Yeah. When you start to see that in your kids and when you start to, I mean, the moon is like a really special one. The moon is feminine and it represents the mom. Um, kids see their dad through the lens of their son, sun sign. So there's some really cool stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can look at Venus and look at kind of their love language and how they need to feel held and loved. And um, and Mars is, that's kind of a really interesting one in terms of like challenging behavior like we have our mars return every two years so when you look at like two-year-olds being challenging and then four-year-olds being challenging (laughs) six-year-olds being challenging it all sort of aligns but this is just kind of asserting your personal power and our kids are learning how to do that and so when you understand their mars and where that is in their chart it gives you some really great i mean support strategies and awareness of our own kids. I mean, I think that's the dream, right? Like if every kid could be seen through the lens of their astrology, right. <laughs> the world would be a different place. Right. And what I love about that too, like you said, is there's that relational component in terms of like family systems of like, okay, so if mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand my child through their chart, then I see my role in Mm -hmm. that and I see their Mm -hmm. father's role and I see how they are relating to me and how they're relating to their father and that helps us get out of our head because we don't always think about that you know we think that our children see us as we see us as we intend to be seen or you know which which may or may not align and so I think that as you've shared that with me that's been really kind of a like curious thing to sit with of like oh huh okay so I can see some of that where my son so my son is a Taurus moon and my daughter is a Scorpio moon so then them seeing me and relating to me through that Taurus and Scorpio lens is really fascinating yeah Yeah. but where I find a really curious twist is when I look at um my own mother and so I am a, a Sag moon Sagittarius moon I do not look at my mom at all (laughs) like through that Sagittarius lens although if I were to think about when I was young if I could have, you know, clear memory on how I related to my mom when I was really little, you know, I'm sure that there would be some of that, like. The interesting kind of approach to that is like what we needed. What, what we needed. needed. Ah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what we need. 
that makes a lot of sense. And that's the lens through which we see them. And sometimes they show it and sometimes they don't. Got it. That makes sense. Thanks for clarifying that because that, that actually makes a lot of sense with my mom. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, and I love my mom and my mom is, um, not as saggy as (laughs) I don't think many would describe her as that, but as I've gotten older and I can see parts of her, I can see also that. And I actually ran her chart once years ago and I was like, really? I think she's like an Aries moon or something. And I was like, ah, that's, that's interesting. But, you know, so I think it's interesting um, practice as adult, as adults, even to see our parents, as adults and as humans and say like, we don't, there's so much about our parents. We don't know, you know, even when we know them so well. So, Mm -hmm. and the interesting, you know, like you can go into the spiritual side of things. Like we chose our parents. Like, like, this is, this is the situation. This is the setup. I mean, or did we, I don't know, but it feels like we did. So was that relationship, you know, the hard one or when it doesn't feel like, but obviously look at you now. Look right. at how that shaped life and it all worked out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. And like no complaints about, you know, my mom right. being, you know, like representing or I needing that Saj thing, just not what I would ever match her with. Right. You know, if I was to do the matching game, I wouldn't put my mom with a Saj. And right. so anyway, it's interesting, but I think I love what you're saying the too about right. <laughs> the generational right. thing of it too, when you think about, and this is a big one for me too, is just like so much of our, moon and of course it's the feminine so it's been repressed right so much of us or you know for long I don't know decades ago it was like your mom with her fire moon she wasn't able to show that right she wasn't able to show her Aries emotions with the way the world was so yeah um yeah Mm -hmm. I mean and obviously with your sad moon that's like you know what you needed was freedom and adventure and exploration and games and to be able to be bold and honest yeah and um to use your mind and to like explore outside those types of things right and and some of those things yeah and as you put it that way some of those things I see where my mom cultivated that and I see where that really challenged her as well, mm-hmm. you know, especially that freedom piece. Mm-hmm. And part of that comes from um, mm-hmm. her background where that, like you said, that the feminine being repressed in the ways that I know it was. And so with her, her own fire moon, um, I can see with a lot of like admiration where my mom, it might've been more subdued, but where she still expressed that passion or that fire or that independence or that initiative in ways that um, I don't, I never would have seen when I was younger, you know, just because, because she's not bold about it. Right. But if you look under, it's like a slow burn, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that's fascinating. Um, And, you know, one thing I was thinking as we were saying, this is just for listeners, you know, like our birth chart, when we're talking about our signs, our birth chart is really just kind of a snapshot of the sky, you know, the, the placements of the planet in the sky from earth where we, um, at the moment that we were born, is that the best way to describe yeah, that? The moment yeah. you took your first breath. Yep. Oh, our first breath. Wow. Cool. Yep. cool. <laughs> and what's cool about it is like your rising sign. That's one that every sign rises each day. So that's yeah. one that, that changes. Like I have a friend who was born on the exact same day as me. And I was like, we're not the same really yeah. and that was just kind of a cure but we have totally different rising signs and then it changes the whole the whole story of the chart so the whole chart right yeah that's fascinating um so with with the personal planets and can you can you describe that a little bit when you were talking about like with kids and you're reading a child's chart um, and you know, with the planet, the personal planets, like which ones are they kind of, what do they mean? Can you describe that a little bit more? Um, So like I said, the sun is like your kind of your ego, your identity, Mm -hmm. your every year, your birthday, your solar return, you become more your sun sign. So, Mm -hmm. um, and allegedly we really hone it in our thirties and by forties we've, got it like mastered Mm -hmm. um which you know I can make for some intense 30s yeah Um, (laughs) and then your moon sign is like your internal world and your thoughts and your feelings and emotions like we talked about um and then your rising sign is sort of your how you 
show up in the world or how other people see you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of your soul. It's kind of what you're rising to in your life. Mm. Venus is the, the planet of love and beauty and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Mars, we talked about, that's like, I mean, like Mars is a warrior. So it's, it's our action. It's our, you know, sometimes it's our anger. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, nothing, nothing changes if nothing moves first. Right. That's what that is. Um, I'm not going in order, but Jupiter is like this big, jolly, happy kind of luck is associated with Jupiter. It makes everything bigger. So like mm-hmm. when someone has um, Jupiter next to their moon, when they're born, their feelings are going to, it's, it's an expander. It's like mm-hmm. this big, jolly, happy person you see right. at a party or something. We like Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <Saturn>. <laughs> uh, my instructor, Deborah Silverman, refers to Saturn as like the high school principal, like um, very serious, no nonsense. Mm-hmm. Saturn is your kind of like the thing you came here to learn it is like your life lesson and Saturn will knock on your door and if you don't answer it it will beat down the door like it will Mm -hmm. teach you the lesson um I maybe uh, some people are familiar with their Saturn return that's yeah 27 is 30 ish um, right when life blows up for so many people yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and that happens again around 58 60 ish um, but yeah, that's that's when Saturn comes back around to where it was when you were born. And it just yeah. is like, hey, have you figured this out yet? And the placement of your Saturn is one of those like mind-blowing things. Like, yeah, okay, I'm here to learn through relationships. That was mine for me. That was like, okay, cool. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. have you learned from what would what would you say your learning process has been and like the takeaways so far? Um Regarding Saturn or just in general? Yeah, if, if um, you're like Saturn in Libra, so learning through relationships. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just like when I, and it's really interesting when you start to, once you know you're Saturn and you can go back and be like, whoa, that's crazy. And you look mm-hmm. back on the past. And um, that's kind of what I start with when I do a reading too. It's like, can you tell me what happened in your life during this time? And then it's like, usually, I mean, it's just like tech book lines up with where their Saturn is every time I'm 100 for 100 um yeah it's just it's like the the growth in this life and this learning to be a better person has to do with relationships and Mm -hmm. communication for me so yeah super interesting Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So are you doing readings for kids? Like bringing that back to what you're saying about kids? Is that yeah. something that you're yeah. doing? Yeah. How does that look? How is that working? Um, well, I just opened, I just opened them. I've done them for friends and stuff, but I just ah. opened up. Officially. Congratulations. That's Thank exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically it has, I, I always like to know if I can know both parents Mm-hmm. Um, charts too that's super helpful mm-hmm. but I really just kind of go through those really basic planets and I mean I don't even really go into Jupiter or Saturn that's that's for them to figure out right we're yeah. not gonna look into the child's soul purpose they can do that when they get older but right um but really just through the lens of giving parents the tools for supporting their children and giving them a very individualized snapshot into who their child sort of came here to be. And I, Mm. um, like I said, the moon sign is a really big one for me in terms of just like giving parents a little blueprint for what their children may need. And Mm. Mars has been a really, um, kind of not popular one, but like that one is like, we have a lot of conversations because it's like, you know, what does this look like for you? Their Mars is in this planet. And then I usually get this like list of behaviors or scenarios or things. And then we're talking through tools and strategies and things that they can try and apply, which is really cool. So, um, and then talking about like how they need affection and how we can show them we love and care about them. Like that's what we want to do is fill fill their cup. And um, it even goes into just like, how to help them help help our kids express their emotions and understand themselves the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is like 
my kids, obviously I've been talking to them about their astrology and, you know, they're, they're, they're super interested in it, but I always, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, this is so fascinating. This, the parallel that my like therapist mind is drawing is like when I'm doing um, therapy with a family, a parent, or I don't work with young children right now, but when I have, um, when we talk about like a child's experience within the family system, as well as like just that child itself in a more like isolated way, um, whether or not they have a diagnosis, you know, that we're looking at, you know, their presentation. And so a big part of that child's therapy is, um, family involvement and parental involvement, ideally both. And so with that parent, you know, we talk a lot like, you know, psychoeducation of like under getting to know, that child through a different lens, you know, so that like maybe explaining the why again behind certain behaviors or, you know, they're acting out in this way because of this, or we know the, you know, these traits or these um, attributes or whatever tend to manifest in this way. So that's something you can look out for. And that's, you know, and so it can, I think it can guide parenting. And so this approach to astrology is really mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking of it in that way, you know, like yeah. if I were to, let's say my children, if they had just been born and you ran their chart, it would be so intriguing to me to have an idea of what might show up, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. not exactly how it's going to show up, you know, but of like some of these things are going to be important themes right. in your child's life. And so yeah. having a lookout for that and then parenting with that in mind. And I could also see if you were to run my children's charts now, or maybe five years ago when they mm-hmm. were younger and looking at like, Oh God, that makes sense, you know, from birth mm-hmm. until now. And now that I have this information, how can I respond to them in a way that you know, supports them more. Um, And seeing that through that lens is so fascinating. Yeah. And it's different. Like if I'm doing a chart for like a three month old, we're going to keep it really basic and sweet. If I'm running it for a three-year-old and we start to, you know, talk about emotional expression, we can go a little deeper into those types of things. But um, I think it's so interesting too, when you look at family dynamics, when you've got, you know, a dad who's like, this grounded Capricorn Taurus rising earth person. And then you have this like whimsical child. Am I talking about my own family? Yes. You know, all air and imagination and fire. And you see the, like, you know, how it, how it just be, creates tension and chaos. But when I've been able to be like, look, this is who she is. This mm-hmm. is who you are. You both get to be who you are. We have to find, find a way. And I think that's, it's really, it's a really interesting lens that yeah. you can get. Right. And that I think with parents, we, we can project so much of ourselves onto our children, you know, that mm-hmm. like, if, you know, the whimsical child and the very grounded earth sign parent, you know, there's such a strong tendency for parents to say, well, they need to be more like this, AKA mm-hmm. they need to be more like me. And yeah. that, you know, we can bring in that groundedness or structure or whatever to help the whimsical child, like have, you know, their feet on the ground through life, <laughs> but yet like also right. can the child bring some whimsy to the parent, you know, or some of those types of things. And going back to what you're saying about, um, you know, through, through the spiritual lens, we choose, we choose our parents and we choose our contracts. And that is such a fascinating idea at times when we're like, fuck that. Like, you know, we we like don't want to take accountability for saying that I chose this. Like, I'm fucking this, you know, like, why would I chose that? But when we, when we're willing to like own that, or at least entertain it, you know, even if that's not in alignment with our belief systems, like entertain it for a second to see like, what could this have been for, for you instead of like, for me or, you know, and especially in really like genuinely traumatic situations, like that can be a a tough idea to entertain because like, that that can be a hard one to apply, I think, even for the most mystical. And so without being bypassy and insensitive, you know, but like when we look at like, okay, if I chose my parents, why? But I think that there's, there's such a curious twist to that when we look at family systems from that same like mystical model is that um, the 
the child chose the parents, but the parents are the one receiving the lesson. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's almost like, okay, so Mm -hmm. I chose this to teach you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. so yeah. that's so fascinating. You know, like yeah. I used to think that when I, when I was really exploring spirituality from a different way, when I had Ian and then Ray mm-hmm. and hearing that, like, oh, they chose you and feeling like, oh, you know, I'm so glad you chose me. And then, but it's like, I chose you to teach you, which is like mm-hmm. humble pie. Then like, okay, so this is really, yes. isn't about me, is it? You know, and like, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Just had a thought left my mind, but yeah. So tell us, um, kind of to tie in because they seem unrelated, but they're very intimately interwoven, I think, in your life, as well as even if we look, if we were to generalize that outward, you know, with with the PMDD, because is tell us tell us a little bit more about that. First of all, like maybe define what is PMDD. Um your experiences, you know, and how your Mm -hmm. spirituality is like interwoven into that. Cause that's one of the things that you've shared about more recently and more openly is your experiences with that. Um, so, uh, PMDD stands for premenstrual. Yeah. (laughs) Dysphoric disorder. There we go. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it is one of, it's something that symptoms show up in the luteal phase of your cycle. So it's kind of like, severe PMD or severe PMS for, you know, lack of a better way. But, Mm -hmm. um, some of the symptoms of it include like intense sadness, despair, lasting irritability, anger, anxiety, extreme exhaustion, um, trouble focusing, feeling out of control, um, being easily overwhelmed. I think in the DSM, you have to have at least five symptoms to officially be diagnosed of this. Yeah. Um, I feel like most people with PMDD are always like, check, 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 check. Right. Um, and so that was something that kind of hit me really hard. Was it four or five years ago? Um, and I, I was like, I'm, I shared, I'm a researcher. I was like, I hit a point where I'm like, this is not normal. And it was, um, like the timing of it. When I can, when I look back, like pregnancy and postpartum, those emotions and like hormonal fluctuations were like a cakewalk for me. Like I was thriving in those moments, um, because I didn't have, and it was like the, the cycle, when my cycle came back, it came back with like intensity. And after about a year, I was like, I am not okay. I, um, for me, it involved a lot of feelings of like unworthiness and like the self-talk was terrible and it was, um, just a lot. And so I kind of did, like I said, I kind of figured out that's what I had and went to the doctor and Oddly, she had just come back from like, a, I just scheduled like a checkup or a whatever, but she had just come back from some event where she had learned about PMDD, which was ironic because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to explain this to her. All this, you know. You're going to have to stuff. teach the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> All this stuff when you read about PMDD is like, you're going to have to advocate for yourself. And I didn't. She was like, it's like you might have PMDD. And I was like, oh, cool. Check. Yeah. Um, and, you know, her first response was like, well, we can put you on an antidepressant. And I was like, but I, it's, it's a one, I like medicine is like, I, my body does not like it. So I was immediately like resistant, but um, I was like, it's literally only like two weeks out of the month. Like I am totally fine. The other, it truly is like a light switch. Um, she's like, well, that's half your life. And I was like, guess, good point. But and so then we started talking about other options. And at that same conference that she had just come back from, she started talking to me about like this gratitude app and all this stuff. So I was like, okay, that was an okay conversation. And I said, I have heard that acupuncture is great. And she was like, give it a whirl. If it doesn't work, come back here. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. so I ended up going to acupuncture and I, my acupuncturist um, was one, the first person to like truly see me and ask questions. And like, I filled out this in-depth report and she was just like the perfect person for me in that moment and started talking to me about like, 
Louise Hay and mindfulness cards. And um, just like, it was like this approach was exactly what I needed in terms of like reading, starting to read self-help books and um, taking care of my body and foods and all these things. So I went to her for like 12 weeks and just really started to focus on my personal health. I feel like that's when I mm-hmm. start. I called you around the same time, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just kind of like, I dove all the way into doing what I needed to do to heal. Um, and it, it, uh, it led me kind of toward like understanding like the Enneagram was like my gateway to astrology mm-hmm. and just like understanding people and how they worked. Um, and prioritizing self-care and all of these things is kind of how, I mean, it was a very long journey. And I think during, when I look back in the last five years, it, it was, it's really, there's like such duality in the world and in life, because I would read all of the hormonal health experts. Like when I learned that the female hormonal cycle is 24 hours is a month, and a male hormonal cycle is 24 hours and we live mm-hmm. in a patriarchal society. And so we're expected to, you know, function in a 24 hour cycle when our bodies mm-hmm. operate on a month long cycle, like that kind of stuff blew my mind. And it was just this, I mean, that's kind of the path to being like, wow, that's the same as the moon. And that's when I started to pay attention to the moon and started um, diving deeper into that. And that was kind of probably the gateway to astrology, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all just very interwoven and convoluted. Interwoven. I don't know right. what to <laughs> But it makes sense. And, you know, I think that with, with a diagnosis or an experience is probably the better word, uh, like PMDD is, you know, I have, I've known many women over the years and had a handful of clients over the years that have identified with um, that diagnosis or that experience, the symptoms. And like many um, hormonal concerns, many chronic issues, many, you know, or even like autoimmune, um, there's, there's so much frustration with those experiences, like PPMD, um, PCOS, other mm-hmm. autoimmune things, you know, where it seems like there's uh, in the medical world, such a, I guess I'll be simple to say a lack of understanding and therefore a lack of treatment. And so it often the it's treatment options, new. what's that? Yeah. It's still very new to even right. like consider. Right. Right. And so then there isn't a lot of study. There isn't a lot of understanding um, and therefore not a lot of like known treatment. And so there's that like um, options that are presented are typically, you know, like birth control to address hormones or an antidepressant to address, you know, the moods, which mm-hmm. for, for some that might feel like the options yeah. resonate and the valid options yeah. and that's great. And then I think that even with that, and for many other people, it feels like that doesn't resonate or I want to do that, but there's, there's more that I want to address. Right. And so I think that's where a lot of people will take on their own research and their own advocacy and their own experimentation to figure out alternative ways to alleviate their suffering or address their issues and take on kind of that role as self healer of, like you said, whether it's acupuncture or diet or, you know, other things that are a little bit more more psychosomatic that are like intimately interwoven because our mind body connection is so real, but not always acknowledged in the medical world. Right. And so that to me is like, so beautiful then how that pulls in, like you said, you know, okay, understanding my hormone cycle leads me to understanding the moon and how those Mm -hmm. things relate. And that, you know, then like the mother and the moon and our female, you know, the feminine energy and then the masculine with the sun and our patriarchy and like all these things Mm -hmm. are just so, um, like you said, interwoven. And that's like such a fascinating thing. So with, with the PPMD, um, cause I think that's one that isn't like, like you said, it's new. It's not always well understood. It's not, um, I think even the women that are experiencing that are wondering, like, I wonder if that's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's still, 
I think what can be experienced as a lack of support, you know, because it is newer, it's not as understood. It can feel really hopeless. So, nice. you know, recently you've been been able to speak more openly about your experiences. And what would you like to share with the world, whether it's the women themselves that may be experiencing this or their support system to better understand PPMD? I think one of the things that I found most frustrating I mean, I really do feel like I'm on the other side of it. But when I was in it was you can find, well, one, it seems like a lot of the quote, you know, hormonal female health experts, they all had like the same advice about like, take, take time for yourself, take care of yourself. And like, they all, I have, you know, they paid attention. They all had no children or one, one child who napped. And I'm like, (laughs) right. And I am a teacher of (laughs) early childhood special education. Right. Um, You know, so I think for me, it was like, okay, say filter out your quote unquote experts because everyone is living a different experience, but there's some polarity in it that I think makes it really challenging. One, you have these people on one side who are saying, um, well, first of all, PMDD, they're like the general kind of PMD community has a lot to say about PMDD is not a hormonal imbalance. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain, mm-hmm. which, okay, I can accept that. But to claim that the hormonal aspect of it is not impacting you is incorrect. You can't just be, this is a chemical imbalance. That's it. When like, we literally live in a world where our hormones are affected by everything from the air to the water, to the clothes, to the, right. right. And Um, that our hormones within our, our entire being, you know, our physical body, as well as our mental, emotional body, mm -hmm. our hormones affect that. And so, you know, from like a therapy model, when Mm -hmm. we're just experiencing like more day-to-day PMS and maybe not all the way on the scale of PPMD, but also it's relevant Mm -hmm. is that what we know when our estrogen drops, which is when we often experience more symptoms, our serotonin drops. So Mm -hmm. surprise, surprise. So if I'm low estrogen and now I'm low serotonin, of course I'm irritable. Of course I'm not sleeping well. Of course I'm more moody or anxious or depressed because my serotonin is low. And for some, then that makes sense then why an SSRI or an antidepressant Mm-hmm. is supportive for those experiences mm-hmm. also because it has a hormonal component that also makes sense why it might not work because yes it right. affects serotonin but that's not all and so right. that's where I think our our mind that wants to simplify and say oh it's just a chemical imbalance is like mm, that's that's too reductionistic that's too myopic because that affects everything else and everything else affects that. And so like we have to take a systems approach, right? And then on the other end of that, there are, you know, this, this side that's like your hormones are out of balance, clean up your personal care products and your food and everything else. And you'll be fine. And even, you know, within the community, I'm talking specifically about like, um, even influencers on Instagram, it's like, they really honed in on the like niche down like, your food will fix it or your you know, your products will fix it or your, you know, there's like, you have to do all the things and you have to do it in a way that makes sense to you. And I think the other part of it is like, for me, looking back, even like I just had this knowing and kind of learning to understand myself is like, I have always been this person who um, is always looking forward. Like we're going to move forward. We're not going to feel our feelings. We're just going to go and we're going to keep looking ahead. And I kind of look at, you know, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And for me, I can look back now and be like, whoa, my body and this PMDD thing and my sun in square with Saturn and Pluto, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it forced me to stop and slow down and feel my feelings. And I did not like that. And I was not (laughs) equipped to do that. And I was not okay with it. And I think that's such a, um, you know, when you, you, I kind of like, that's why I was like, no, I don't need that. It was like, I knew I needed to do something. I knew I had more work to do. I knew that I needed to like with a therapist go into the depths and like do the work mm-hmm. and not everybody is ready to do that or has the capacity to do that. Right. And even the sometimes side. the luxury, you know, because like with, with, PPMD, you know, per, per its name, premenstrual 
dysphoria disorder. Like that's a, that's a word that I think many people don't understand the weight of, you know, that we can have like PMS symptoms that many women arguably experience throughout their life, even if they're on birth control, that, and they might be very mild, they might be more severe, but when we're looking at PMDD, it's, it's on a scale of one to 10, it's at like a 15, you know, that it's, it's so exaggerated and so intense. And your dialogue was not nice to me. Like a lot of unworthy Mm -hmm. thoughts and like, I didn't deserve to be here. Like that kind of level, like the level that scared me enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And most women that I know that have experienced it will say that, you know, that there's suicidal ideation and there's low self-worth and there's um, hopelessness and, you know, powerlessness even because it can feel like I don't have control over this when I'm experiencing it. All the other tools in my toolbox aren't working. I'm going to the doctor. I'm not being given any additional tools and support. And now I have to live half my life this way. Like it it can feel very bleak. And so when we're talking about that, like, well, just take some time off or just, you know, like that is, that doesn't hold a candle to what I need. And, and it's also not symptoms that are just easily overridden. Like, I know for myself when I have PMS, like I can be aware of it and it might affect my presentation at home. But for the most part, I'm just like, it's fine. I get through it, you know, but like with PPMD, it is not one of those things that like you just fake it. You know, you, you, I'm sure that's an element of it, <laughs> but it's it it's not and it's too intense, you know. So yeah. like you said, it does. There's that like cosmic joke that's like okay well then slow down sit down you're not given any you're not given any choice you know it's like when when we burn out and we get so sick because we've been running 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 and then the universe is like okay like now you're so that you were forcing you so you're like forced to sit with yourself yeah I had no choice Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think it it was really it took me a kind of a lot. And I think I, I remember having conversations with you, like I am doing the work. I did the things I did, the, but there's so much more to, to it. Like it's extreme self-care. It's it, which we should all be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's, it's just, and also giving yourself grace. And I think one of the things that was so helpful for me and it kind of ties in the moon and like, um, it was sort of like a guideline. Like I still had to do the work, but it gave me permission to do it in a way that flowed with my body by like biologically and also the moon, which is this, you know, bigger <laughs> esoteric kind of way of looking at it. But it felt really good to me. Like, um, I don't even remember where I first learned it, but like when you can treat or like, if you look at the new moon, um, that's like your menstrual cycle and um, your the waxing moon is follicular and the full moon is ovulation and the waning moon is luteal. Like, and you start to listen to what your body needs. Like in your luteal phase, when for me, when I was, you know, when I'm at my worst and I feel the worst, if I, um, <laughs> you know, it for me, it was like, I'm a cancer, right? So my crab is an extension of who I am, my shell, right? My home is my shell and it's an extension of who I am. So for me, this like luteal phase of needing to focus and complete something was so, was extremely about my home. And I wanted to clean it and make it feel good and make it feel happy. But I had two children, still have two children who were like, hey, but what about me? And like our kids know to pull, like when you start pulling, when you start going in, like we're, biologically designed to they become more clingy and more needy Mm -hmm. like they just instinctively know how to do that so it's like we start to fight against what we need biologically and our Mm -hmm. kids come and Mm -hmm. make it more challenging and I think you know when you look at like your luteal phase it's the time for you to get your affairs in order and to finish tasks and to complete things and then just rest Mm -hmm. and reflect when you go into your menstrual cycle um it's so much of life makes that really, really difficult. But if you can be really intentional and like, for me, it's been like, try to do that at the beginning of your luteal phase before you completely spiral into um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, and there's certain aspects of like, I have to set up my home and like give my husband a warning, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deep clean the house this weekend because this is going to be a week where I get really, really angry about that. So it's kind of like, I feel like <laughs> you know, right. Um, or he'll like intentionally just really try to give me space, which is that one used to bug me so much when I was like in the thick of it, like give yourself space. Like sometimes that's just not possible. Right. Sometimes you just have to feel through it and you have to, I don't know. Do your best. That's, that's hard. Yeah, and yeah. Do your best. Yeah. What I'm living about this too is like not only like the knowledge that you're imparting, like even you know, with the phases of the cycle and um, but then how we apply that is mm-hmm. that to really maximize the benefit of that requires like, okay, so we might have that knowledge, you know, these are, this is like the phases of the cycle and when they are and what kind of, you know, traits might be present. Um, and then knowing ourselves in that, you know, so how does Cassie show up like in her cycle? How does Ellie show up in her cycle? And then ultimately like that self-acceptance, it's like radical self-acceptance of like, mm-hmm. okay, that is, that's how it's going to be, you know, like it or not, resist it or not, that's how it's going to be. And that's such a beautiful practice because I think there's so many things in our life, particularly the stuff that's like tricky or sticky or hard that we, we are trying to change it. And not that that's all bad, you know, like we, there's many things in life that we want to try to like mold and, and shift and maximize and, you know, change what we can and grow and yada, yada. But there's also some things that like, even in that process is the self-acceptance. So mm-hmm. what an act of self-acceptance your PPMD journey has been. Definitely. Mm-hmm. There's so much um, power in trying to be intentional with your cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, did you know that when you're ovulating, your voice actually changes? That, really? That you, no. your voice actually sounds more attractive to other people. Like, really? I mean, super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, and it's like, obviously your menstrual cycle is a time to rest and reflect, but like, it's a great time to write things or to create things. But there's this really amazing analogy. Um, and I wish I could remember where I heard it, but it's like, um, like the, your follicular, follicular phase, that's like a really good time to plan, initiate, like start something new. It's like the spring of the season. So it's like, you're, you're making this cape, right? That's, and then when during your ovulation phase, you wear the cape, it's like summer. It's like you feel and look amazing. And it's your time to be visible and connect and like be out there in the world. And then, um, when you like the luteal phase is like when you take the cape off because you're finishing things up, you're focused and you're completing things. And then the menstrual cycle, you like cover up with the cape and sleep. And I'm just like, that's such a cool yeah. way to do life. And it, it gives you permission to rest, which I don't think we have enough of. It no, gives you not no. create all the time. Right. And especially more like um, concentrated periods of rest, not just mm-hmm. like a good night's sleep or a quick nap or, but like, some days of rest mm-hmm. or, you know, more intentional rest as well, instead of like crashing. Um, I love what you're saying about the analogy of the Cape, because what I'm hearing as well from um, like in terms of evolutionary psychology, which I love to pull in with clients because we're animals and we, we love to forget that as humans, you know, that we, mm-hmm. we feel so separate from, mother nature when we're really a part of it and that we we feel like the exceptions because we've evolved in the ways that we've evolved and we are different in the ways that we're different and yet we are still animals and we're still mammals and we have not evolved past our own selves I don't know our own evolution I guess you know that we're we're still animals and we still have like hormones and biological clocks and biological Mm -hmm. urges and that they go back to like, you know, ensuring the survival of the species essentially. And so when we Mm -hmm. think about even like our menstrual cycle and that, how, you know, of like the follicular stage, you know, if we're looking at that as the time that we're knitting the cape or, you know, in terms of evolutionary psychology, we're preparing to 
be impregnated, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. ovulation is. So it's like the follicular is the, so we're, we're getting ready to have a baby essentially, but we're mm-hmm. not pregnant yet. Right. And so then we're like, we're prepping. So we're planning and we're, we're figuring out like, how are we going to do that? And then we're ovulating, which is the time to be impregnated. So of course, mm-hmm. like our voice changes to be more attractive to our mate mm-hmm. and our pheromones change to be more attractive. To our <laughs> yes. Right. Right. Everybody falls in love. We seduce the world and we, and then we're more creative because our creativity mm-hmm. is our output. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like what we're putting out into the world might be more, you know, quote unquote attractive. And that's the process of like our mating call essentially. (laughs) And so then like, lo and behold, we have our luteal phase. We were not impregnated, you know? So then we, we come down from that. And like you said, then we go like uh, um, into preparation for uh, what was the last stage? Is it luteal? Luteal. Yeah. You kind of are finishing everything. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, to the winter where we then like go into like our, our hibernation and we like and we rest and and that's so fascinating to me when we can remember that we're animals in order to like understand our cycles and our urges and our motivations and our fight and flight response and predator and prey and all that stuff I find it so fascinating to link into human behavior because we don't there's there's so many urges and cycles and systems that we don't understand why we don't have like a full grasp on it. And part of it is instinct. Right. Well, and when you look at it in a cyclical nature, like if you don't actually slow down and rest during your menstrual cycle, you're affecting your cycle all the way up to your luteal when it gets really intense. Like Mm the insane change that took place when I actually just like stopped fighting against my own body and actually rested the impact that it has on your entire cycle. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think so much of that and like the, the male hormonal cycle is the same in that they wake up, they're ready for new ideas. They can do all the things they spend their day planning and initiating and, and then like they become very social at in the afternoon and the, that's like happy hour, right? Yeah. The stereotypical patriarchal society. <laughs> and then they, at night they just naturally wind down mm-hmm. and they sleep and that's how they operate. And we do the exact same thing mm-hmm. over a 29 month long period. And right. I think we need to give ourselves that same level. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. It really right. This ties into, um, I did a podcast with her name is Melanie Joy Barrett. And we talked a lot about, um, the mature feminine and the masculine and, you know, I guess in, in other terms, like the matriarchy and the patriarchy, and she defined them in more supportive terms, because right now there can be, um, I think some conceptualization as the patriarchy being, um, you know, tyrannical, which in some ways it can be very oppressive, you know, but yet looking at it as just like representation of the masculine and feminine energies within that. Yeah. Like at the macro level and how, as we're able to understand, um, feminine, um, energy and divinity in the ways that we're, we're, I think, acknowledging and grasping better and having language for that and looking at that to see how we've been trying to like square peg round hole ourselves as women and saying like, okay, so we, we might still live in this society that we live in and we can't change this society overnight, but we can change how we relate to it. And we can change the expectations that we have on ourselves in order to fit into that. Because if that 24 hour cycle, like we still are in the patriarchy, you know, but we're not men. And so we have different hormonal cycles. And so looking at like, okay, how, how do we meld both? Do you know? Hold yourself to your own standards. Like exactly. hold yourself. Yeah. And do. Right. Yeah. What would be, um, bringing it back to the PPMD, what would be your, your, your message that you would want to impart on women that might be really resonating what you've described and in that, in that same position that you were a couple years ago of like seeking and frustrated and feeling um, overwhelmed and consumed by this experience, but perhaps not having any answers yet. I think, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, if you're someone who, who is constantly trying to take information, I think, it's so important to kind of 
you know, take what you need and leave the rest, right? Not everybody's approach and, you know, experts are experts in their specific area, but there's always another side. Like for me, it was like, I really love the science and the research, but I also love the spiritual side. And I loved kind of that, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I love the astrology, the Enneagram, the things that made me, me, Mm-hmm. And I could tie it all into what I was experiencing. I think there's just this level of really, truly, and honestly, part of the like beautiful process of it is like truly learning to know yourself and right. truly, I mean, yes, there are recommendations for certain types of foods and eating more root vegetables or greens and stuff that will be helpful, but just knowing what you need and because it's there, it's there for you. If you take a moment to listen and do what your body's telling you to do. And I mean, get help if you need it. There are a lot of resources um, for PMDD and there's a lot of information out there. I, I had a hard time with like, when I would follow the PMDD community, it sort of got too stuck in my there are a lot of people that go like where it's really nice to feel seen when you're feeling the pain mm-hmm. um, and when you're in it but I couldn't stay there because I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay there. So finding people who are, you know, therapists or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be. Right. On the other side of mm-hmm. That's a really valuable addition to that advice of, you know, like our community is really important. And when we are in, um, a difficult experience, it can be great to, you know, to find people that have shared that experience. And so whether that's the PPMD community, or let's say a recovery community of some kind, you know, it can be really helpful, like you said, to be seen, and to know that we're not alone in certain experiences, and to potentially connect us to other resources through those conversations and support. And yet sometimes, um, that support can end up, we can end up kind of drowning in it and feeling like it can be too, we can be marinating in our shit <laughs> at times, depending, um, you know, on the, the culture of the group. And so to also say, like you said, can we benefit from that? Do we stay there? Maybe, um, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking even of some of my own recovery throughout mm-hmm. life of like really benefiting from certain groups, but then also realizing, you know, this, this no longer serves and, mm-hmm. um, Um, And not in, you know, any like any way about hard feelings for anybody, but just it it doesn't serve any longer. And now I'm moving on with what I did learn from that, that community that I know is available to me, should I need it? And I am available to them, should they need it, but it's not resonating any longer and take, take from that what I can and continue my journey on, you know, and that same thing with the PPMD and that, um, and it's helpful to know that there is that community because I think it can be a very isolating experience. Yes, there's, there's, and I think in the beginning, it's so nice, because, especially with something like PMDD, because you want to be, you don't want to feel like you're crazy. You don't want to feel like, you know, like for me to have to go to the doctor and be like, it's like a light switch. Like I literally become a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels crazy. I feel, I felt crazy. So it was like, being able to be seen and validated for my feelings because other people felt it too was immensely helpful for me. But, and I think, you know, as you're growing and learning about yourself, you start to be like, okay, now I'm going to go over here because I, I went down into the depths, but I will drown if I stay here. (laughs) So let's go up for air. That's the point. Mm -hmm. You gotta go uncover that stuff, but you Mm -hmm. can't stay there. Right. Right. And I, and I think with that too, like that brings me to this, um, you know, kind of reemerging, you know, going down to the depths and then, um, swimming back up and, and that is, that feels hopeful, you know, during a time that I'm sure you otherwise had felt pretty hopeless. And that Mm -hmm. is also, I think when we can share our experience and hope to other people, you know, that gives them hope to also say like, okay, so yes, I'm experiencing this. Yes. This is overwhelming. Yes. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I can look at people like Cassie or whoever and see and know that there is one and that I will find that. And some of this will be alleviated or not as heavy or dense or, or hard to carry, you know? And I'll add too, there were many times where I thought I was out of it and I wasn't, you know, it was like, you just keep, it just keep, you keep relearning it until it gets 
but there, there were a lot of opportunities. And I think this like call to start talking about PMGD, I had it, I had it years ago, but I think I knew I, I wasn't quite there yet, but mm-hmm. still I, good about it now. yeah, but you know, I think that's excellent discernment. Um, you know, we've talked about that in the past that, you know, with so many things in life, because of our experiences, we want to share, um, we want to give voice to it, you know, to, to speak about it, to create awareness and support and teach people, um, and cultivate community and all those things that are really good. And I think that there's many things, um, that people can go through, um, especially with the platforms of social media and perhaps speak. I don't, I don't want to say, prematurely because I think we can speak when we want to speak. But I think sometimes people can adopt the teacher role when they're not quite ready. Mm-hmm. And not that you're adopting the teacher role and, and you're sharing. And again, that was never your intention. It was just to be more open. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. when when we do speak, that invites other energies that we're perhaps not quite ready to receive or engage with. Um, and whether that's some of our own stuff that begins circulating or things that we end up kind of interacting with and feeling like, like that, that is what makes it premature is, is our own, our own process, like where we are in our own process, I guess I should yeah. say. And so, yes, you had that call to speak. Um, and maybe volleyed back and forth with that a little bit. And then when you did, it was a really grounded pr- grounded position of like, I am ready to talk about this. And it has been processed so much that it's not Mm -hmm. so activating to talk about and share and receive feedback on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Cassie, is there anything else with the astrology and the PPMD or anything else that you would like to share with us or have the audience know? Um, no, I mean, I I think that things like astrology and it really, I, I said it in the beginning, it's so validating to be able to see and know that the experiences and the challenges and the things you've been through in your life are, that there's some intent behind it, that, that you're meant to experience these things and grow from them. And um come out on the other side of it mm-hmm. and be better and have a lot to offer people as a result. Right. Where our mess becomes our message. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. How do we reach you? If we have listeners that want to reach out to discuss astrology further or resources for PPMD, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Um, I am consciously Cassie, consciously underscore Cassie on Instagram. And my website is consciouslycassie.com. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's Three <laughs> years for a website. What a beautiful development. <laughs> Hooray. Awesome. And we will link that in the show notes. So when listeners um, hear this, they can save that info and reach out when they would like to. Thank you, Cassie, for joining. This was so enlightening and helpful. Um, and thank you for giving a powerful voice to both the astrology and most especially the PPMD. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you.